Jim, hi. Um, great to meet you. Uh, where, where are you based right now? Um, I'm actually at my house in North Palm Beach, which is where I live uh, between trips, uh, mostly to Tiger Beach, but also other places in the world, uh, predominantly for shark trips. And I bet the weather's lovely there right now. Uh, I have a ceiling fan on. <laughs> Just, if you can imagine that and outside it's blue sky uh, and very little wind uh, which is good uh, because i leave um uh, monday night for tiger beach again ah oh, lovely and, and tiger beach yeah i'd like to come to that a little bit okay. later on i just just reading um from your website, uh, it says, uh, Jim, um, Jim Appanati, uh, award-winning author, photographer, cinematographer, and conservationist who pioneered shark encounters without cages. Uh, uh, you know, stunning, uh, uh, such a career, it's fantastic. But it was only because um, recently I was reviewing a film about you from uh, Clayton Con, and it was called uh, Tiger Shark King. And it was one of our one of the entries to the Scubaverse film uh, competition. And having watched it, I just thought, <laughs> well, I, I just have to talk to Jim. And so here we are. Here we are. So could you perhaps just fill us in a little bit about that film and uh, how it came about? Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, Clayton Kahn, now a very good friend of mine, um, uh, interviewed me for BBC Radio. And he was interviewing me, and um, and we got to uh, the topic, my favorite topic, which is the affectionate side of sharks. And and he said, "That's it, we're we're done." Uh, I said, "I said, what do you mean?" And he said, "I can't believe this. I, I got to come see it. I, I'm going to be on one of your next trips." And he was, and and um, we did the interview um, at my house. And uh, uh, which went great. And I expected it to be on BBC radio. Um, but a short time after that, um, I got uh, a correspondence from him uh, that that uh, BBC uh, they loved the video that he made and put on his Vimeo page, which won. Um, uh, I forget what it's called. It's, uh, it's the favorite of the staff of, Viv of Vimeo and, and got a lot of play. Um, and uh, and then it played on many different channels of BBC, um, which pretty much flooded my uh, direct messages on my Instagram page. And I didn't even have time to look at the Facebook page, um, but which is sad. But uh, uh, it was it, it, it received a, a lot of attention, including yourself. So I'm very grateful uh, to for Clayton because. You know, my life's mission, I know, is to uh, speak for those that cannot speak, specifically sharks. Um, and I, I grew up with sharks um, and didn't really um, ever think that they were dangerous. Um, and uh, when I saw Jaws and these other films that made them into mindless man-eating monsters, I thought, wow, that's so wrong. But there's very you know, few people, as you know, uh, in the scuba world, uh, what less than 1% of the planet's human population scuba dives. And from that, less than half of them really want to see large predatory sharks, especially cageless. <laughs> so um, my business plan is not really a 
good business plan. I, I, I should have gone with something that everyone can do. But I, I wanted the close interactions and had no idea. Couldn't have predicted that, that I would discover the affectionate side of sharks in 2002 while trying to remove a hook. I, I just couldn't have predicted that. Um, so it's been a, 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 a wonderful life, as, as you probably can imagine. I mean, the way that I look at it is that if you ever have a, a direct connection with a wild animal of any type, where the animal actually connects with you in any type of way, even for uh, 30 seconds, it's a life-changing situation. Um, now, when I go to Tiger Beach and, and I go down to the bottom and I see my old friends uh, uh, come up to me, uh, the lemon shark stops swimming right in front of me, and, and, um, which they used to be afraid of me. And, and the tiger sharks are, are, are basically trained on a hand signal uh, that means, do you want your head rubbed? Yeah, it's uh, rubbing your thumb to your fingertips. And they turn and come to get their head rubbed. Now, despite the fact that I use fish to attract them, I'm not a feeding organization. Although I do feed occasionally, um, the, the um, changing behavior that puts sharks into a survivor mode is very difficult to get the affectionate side out of. So I choose uh, just to use a larger amount of fish to attract them, but not feed them. That way I can get the, the desired effect of the affectionate side of shark and teach my guests how to make friends with them successfully. We're almost at 100% success with 10 guests every week, um, which is an incredible uh, change in people uh, and how they feel about sharks. It's, it's by far the best thing I can do as a conservationist. You kind of answered it really, but do you ever get a guest that, that the sharks don't react well to? I mean, does that ever happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you're looking and suddenly think, actually this person should maybe come out of the order. No, no, not that, not to that effect. I do get a reaction um, where the sharks are af afraid of someone. So uh, let, let me be more articulate. Basically, um, usually maybe two or three people a month will, will come on the trip. And although they love sharks, they're really scared to death of them. And, and uh, my, my briefing, um, how to interact with large, a large number of large predatory sharks probably doesn't help that because I have to cover the worst things that can happen. And, and um, uh, although, uh, you know, it's extremely rare that for any of those things to happen, at the end of it, um, I actually divide the, the sharks into what I call little and big sharks, but it's not by the length of the shark, it's by what they eat. A large shark eats reptiles, birds, um, everything tigers, bulls, great hammerheads, oceanic white tips, um, and a small shark, um, which only eats fish, like the 11-foot lemon shark. So they probably walk on the back of the boat. I don't know if I can cuss on here, but I want to. Uh, and they say, Jim's full of shit, <laughs> right? That's a huge shark, <laughs> right? A lemon shark. And uh, But the truth is, once they get underwater, um, as hard as this is to believe, Despite the fact that there could be 70 uh, lemon sharks swimming around with another 40 or 50 Caribbean reef sharks, as soon as they see their first tiger shark, it's hard to even see the other sharks 
because you're so focused on the tiger shark because they're so impressive um, that that the only way you'll even recognize a shark is there, a, a small shark, is if it disturbs your view of what you're looking at. And then you have to stand up or, or duck down to try to see it, which it's kind of hard to believe. But um, the new divers that are still afraid, um, I bring them back up on the boat to change this. The tiger sharks and, and the sharks will stay away from them because they're scared. And these people are usually um, breathing faster. And, and you can tell they're nervous because of their, their breathing rate, which um, exhalation is one of the loudest, scariest things for sharks. So it's kind of good that, that it keeps them away. Yeah, you're absolutely um, right. As far as I'm concerned, it's that exhalation that that is the killer. It, you know, uh, when when I teach uh, video and stuff underneath, I say, look, just breathe easy, regularly. You know, whether it's fast or slow, whatever's comfortable, but don't hold your breath trying to get close to something because sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna breathe out and then it's just, everything's gonna go. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just well, it, yeah, after a short um, briefing on how to correct this, after, you know, the, the change of fear usually leaves, I'd say, within three to five minutes when they realize that everything that they've been taught or learned from watching um, sensationalized shark shows is wrong. And, and then at that point, they want to get closer, but they don't know why the sharks are staying away. And then by just simply telling them, concentrate on exhaling completely slowly on every breath and, and the sharks will come closer and it works. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, I know from being, uh, I know from myself being on a reef all day that, uh, and coming back to the same reefs over and over and over, that the general feeling, the ambience of, of that reef and its wildlife can actually change. You know, you can get some days where, Animals are, uh, for, for some unknown reason to me anyway, a little cautious or they can be very friendly. Do you find that the same with uh, your sharks that someday like one may be in a bad mood? I don't know, because uh, they're sentient beings after all. But do, do you find things alter from day to day at all? Um, uh, well, not from day to day. And I've never seen an underwater creature in a bad mood. Um, but over a period of time, uh, for example, um, the lemon sharks, uh, you know, basically when the great Howard Hall was uh, on my boat doing his IMAX film, he's actually the one that saw at a great distance a lemon shark being cleaned by a remora that basically forced all those antiquated books at that moment to rewrite that this is a symbiotic relationship. The both animals benefit from the remora um, and um, that that was at great distance. And he actually came back on the boat for another week to try to capture that and didn't get it till the last couple of days. Now, those same lemon sharks that were afraid of us in the early days, um, uh, when they see a crew member uh, uh, come down to the bottom um, that they know, they, they, they will move from where they are and stop swimming right in front of them, sometimes standing on their pectoral fins you know, like a dog begging to get their head rubbed. So these are definitely sentient creatures that thrive on love and affection. Um, and in fact, one of my 
outings. I brought uh, a correspondent from a worldwide TV news outlet. Um, and I, I told him I knew he, what, what he wanted. You know, here I'm saying that sharks are affectionate creatures and he wanted crazy shark dive operator to, to you know, thinks that sharks are, are, are cuddly toys. Well, um, I, I told him I would let him on the boat on, on one condition. And that is if I can prove something that the world won't believe possible in just two days, you air my story. And, and he said, well, what's that? I said that sharks prefer affection to fish. And, and I couldn't have scripted this, you, you know, we can't talk to sharks, but I had um, two sharks of different species um, moving each other out of the way in order to get my only available hand to rub their head, a, a tiger shark and a nurse shark. And he aired my story um, uh, <laughs> because he, he couldn't believe it. Um, and, but um, that's, that's a very rare thing to happen. I'm so glad it happened while he was there, though. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It's yeah. it's, um, it's it's lovely um, hearing you say that the sharks actually recognise individuals because um, I'm sure you know marine mammals are, are are not dumb bits of meat. Of course they do. They recognise you as divers. There's all sorts of things going on about each person that that, that these animals recognise, and it kind of makes me ask because you get this um, lovely interaction between divers and sharks, people and sharks. Do you ever witness at all uh, interactions between other species and the sharks? Um, well, let's see. Other, other than seen, simple, like remora. Yeah, well, um, uh, first of all, a lot of what is written about sharks, I, I don't believe to be true. I see many different species of sharks interacting together with literally no fear. And I've seen uh, uh, almost once or twice a month, I see tiger sharks take a uh, get out of the way bite of a, of a lemon shark or a Caribbean reef shark. Um, and it's not for food. It's just, you're in my way, in, in my opinion. Uh, so I do see, you know, the area where I am, um, Tiger Beach has a lot of sharks uh, and, and so um, the, the interactions between other, I have had uh, a mom and a baby humpback whale swim into the shark dive. Um, and I've also had um, Atlantic spotted dolphins swim into the shark dive and actually chase all the tigers away um, for a moment of time, which, you know, tiger sharks eat dolphins. Um, but given um, clear, crystal clear water, um, they can't sneak up on them. And, and, you know, their higher intelligence of dolphins, even though they're way smaller. Um, uh, so I haven't really seen uh, interactions between unusual animals. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've spent an enormous amount of time in the water. Um, a perfect example is when Howard Hall made his IMAX film, Deep Sea 3D. Um, he uh, emailed me and asked me if I would make a list. Of, you know, that film is about relationships between different species. So he said, make a list of all the different species that uh, work together collectively for the benefit of both. And I did. And, and um, despite the fact that film went all over the world to, to get the content, he spent uh, almost six weeks in the Bahamas with me because the list was so big. 
Now, I think the reason the list was so big is quite simply because I decided in, in the late 90s that I needed to get serious about shark conservation and, and evaluated my time and realized that I can't load and unload my gear daily on a day boat. I need to just live on a liveaboard at sea and, and had no idea that there were a lot of people that wanted to go on uh, large predatory shark cageless encounters. I thought that the bank would take the boat away from me in another few years, but it would be a great few years. Um, little did I know that uh, the first 10 years of my existence, we were booked out three years. So I didn't go to, to dive shows. I didn't advertise. I didn't do anything because it was a waste of time. You know, I don't want the phone to ring to make people upset, <laughs> right? It just doesn't make sense. And still, we're very, very busy uh, even today, which shows something that that is very, um, uh, it shows how big the misrepresentation of sharks is. I mean, it's the only animal that I know of on the planet that's a predator that you can interact with up close on a daily basis with almost no fear of anything happening once you get to know them. Uh, that's quite a statement. It, you know, it's the most feared animal on the planet but it has the least number of negative interactions of, of all these predators. It's amazing. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is uh, quite lovely, isn't it? It really it is. is. Yeah, yeah. It is for me. That, that uh, background picture I have there is uh, the world-famous Emma the tiger shark, um, who I befriended 20 years ago during that time. I've removed four hooks using affection. And, and to me, she's just an oversized puppy dog um, that, that, you know, uh, chases me around just looking for a head rub. Uh, and it's, a, it's a, a wonderful interaction. Fortunately, she's there about 10 months of the year under my boat. Um, so uh, it's, it's incredible to actually have her. She's uh, been in, um, let's see, 15 films during my existence i don't know what other people have done uh, with her because you know there are other liveaboards that now go to tiger beach but uh it, that that relationship is uh very difficult for me to try to explain and as you probably saw in tales by light misunderstood predators the uh uh they they asked me a question which literally brought me to happy tears which is what's it like to have a relationship uh, with a shark. And my mind rifled through all these different interactions that are so happy and yet unbelievable that it brought me to happy tears and I barely was able to even get words out to try to describe it. I'm sure I failed miserably because I don't think there are words that can describe what it's like to play um, with such a, a large uh, a predatory animal in such an affectionate way. And, uh, I, don't, I don't think there are words. It, it's, um, I mean, but personally, half my life has been filming land and half my life underwater. And Wow, what a wonderful <laughs> life. <laughs> it has been quite nice. And I can remember three very, and I, and I won't, go through them but I can remember three very distinct occasions um two on land and one underwater where I had this one-to-one -one communication with a giant animal and 
it just leaves you speechless and, and you're smiling for days and days and days. And you what can't say it. What were the animals? Well, one was a silverback gorilla. Oh, my God. Uh, one was a, a black bear and the other was a sperm whale, the, the underwater one. Wow. Wow. And it just, yeah, as you're saying, you, you, you can't really find the words to, to explain what you felt and what you, and, and what you feel through the rest of your life afterwards as well. You're changed. At, oh, at that yeah. point, you want to save that species uh, and will do anything you possibly can to make that happen. Um, you know, uh, I love large predators. I've spent quite a bit of time with uh, the grizzly bear, the polar bear, and the black bear, and, and, and the same kind of interactions. While, unfortunately, our species wants to make films about the 10 most dangerous and depict animals that are not dangerous at all, uh, my, my time with um, grizzly bears, that was the first bear uh, uh, trip I went on. And, and afterwards, I sent my pictures off to National Geographic and um, uh, very quickly, um, I wound up on a polar bear trip where I, where I met a, a bear scientist, Brad Josephs. And, and Brad said something to me that, that makes so much sense. He said, what, you know, what did you think of your grizzly bear trip to Alaska? And, and I said, um, you know, on the, on the basis of, of danger, human bear relationship. And I said, I think you can get about 12 feet away before you're, re, uh, before you're risking your life. And he said, Jim, you, you, you've made a, a terrible mistake. And, and I said, what, what's that? He said, if you want to see the true nature of an animal, you have to go to where they are not hunted. And, and uh, soon thereafter, um, that summer, I found myself in Katmai National Forest, with a, a, a mama bear with uh, two cubs that left her cubs with us while she was fishing. A completely different interaction. And she was probably six feet from me. And the first time I, I was scared to death to have a bear that close to me. But um, it, we became baby, baby grizzly bear uh, babysitters uh, on that trip. Um, and and uh, it was definitely life changing. So, um, and I, I, at some point, I'd love to uh, uh, hear more about that. <laughs> or, but I'm sure that um, uh, now that we're friends, that our, our paths will collide with nature somewhere. Uh, because I, I also spent an enormous amount of time. The time between trips, I'm, I'm with some land animal uh, somewhere. And, and uh, I have different friends of, in the mammals, birds, uh, uh, reptiles, uh, all the different animal groups that I converse with to find out where to go. Right, right now there's a, a mom with new baby otters uh, very close to my house and, and owls and stuff like that. So if you're coming to Florida, definitely give me a call. I'd love to spend some time with you. Yeah, well, um, I'm definitely going to try and make that happen. I mean, like I've, I've always been a, a strong advocate of um, communication with other species, uh, you know, either by gentle handling or, or if not touching, then simply by your behaviour. And, and in those two ways, I find you on some level can communicate. Um, I'm just thinking about your life now of what, what actually started you getting underwater and, and was there a definitive moment when you thought, 
I have to communicate with with these animals. I have to learn more about them. Um, well, um, there was two definitive moments that happened like that, and I I uh, credit them now with um, uh, my uh, my entire life taking the road less traveled, in in the hopes that I would experience this. Um, but uh, one was as a child, you know. I, you probably don't know this, but my father was uh, an aerospace engineer, so science. My mom was an archaeologist as well as a nurse, so science. So um, I learned a great deal um, in the science field and fortunately grew up uh, two houses away from one of the largest nesting ground of, grounds of turtles, sea turtles, in the world right here in Palm Beach County. And at a very early age, I um, I, you know, I, I made my parents, re I, I mean, I clearly remember probably my earliest memory is baby turtles coming out of the sand and running down to the beach. And at that point, I, I think I was about five then, maybe six. And, and uh, at that point, I made my parents read me turtle books rather than kids books and, and to learn more about them. And at around the age of nine, um, and this is actually the forward of my turtle book, um, I would run across a nest that that was way too big to be a turtle. Um, and my other love in the early days, dinosaurs, I went back and looked through my dinosaur books to find out which dinosaur nest I had stumbled across because my parents weren't home. They came home and explained that, that dinosaurs are extinct. And I dragged them by the hand down to see this huge nest. And, 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 uh, and they said um, they didn't know what it was. And four or five years later, I would meet a, a, a very famous woman, Eleanor Fletcher, who became the, known as the Turtle Lady of Juno Beach and was the founder of what is now a $15 million building, the Loggerhead Marine Life Center, Saving Turtles. And, and she, um, when I told her about my dinosaur nest, um, she, she put her hand on, uh, on me and said, actually, you, you did find a dinosaur nest. It's the last living warm-blooded reptile. It's called the leatherback turtle. And at that point, I decided I, I, would, I would pursue leatherback turtles. And I believe I have the largest collection of blue water leatherback turtles and, and photography in the world. I've had a turtle permit for almost 40 years. So, so um, I release a lot of turtles as well as I work with a scientist. In fact, I'm working on a film now that I think will be the world's best leatherback turtle film. But um, the other thing that happened was um, I, I got a saltwater aquarium at around age 10 and I was collecting tropical fish on the bottom one day. Um, and and um, to finish the leatherbacks, I decided at that point, I'm going to find one, not realizing it would take me 15 years to find my first one. And then I figured out how to find him. And now I know how to find him. And so that's what, what credited me with having such a large collection of them. But uh, at, at around 10 or so, I was on the bottom catching tropical fish for my aquarium. And suddenly something was different. And, and I looked around and actually behind me, 45 feet deep, behind me, a northern right whale swam up to me on the bottom and stopped swimming. And now I was so concerned that she was gonna crush me with her pectoral fin, I didn't realize that right here is this eye. She stopped to see me on the bottom. 
oh my God. At age 10, I, I you know, when that encounter was over, I decided uh, I'm, I'm going to swim with every cetacean in the world. In those days, there were 78. Today, there's 91. And unfortunately, I've only swam with 11 species so far, um, but it's high on my list. So nature has always um, provided uh, passion and, and uh, uh, drive to see more. You know, I've converted my backyard that I can see behind the screen into a sanctuary. There's, there's lots of hummingbirds and, and aquatic life, a couple waterfalls, and there's no yard. It's all plants. Um, just, just because I, I need more of this. Um, and that's what drives me, especially as a conservationist. Ah, oh, stunning. Absolutely stunning. <laughs> Diving now as long as you have. Um, I mean, I, I notice it every year. That, that species, quantities of species, um, uh, biomass, it's just all disappearing more and more each year. And, and I know that there's a lot of good news conservation stories out there throughout the world, but generally the trend is for things getting less and less and less and less. Uh, are you witnessing that in any great detail? Absolutely. Um, in the early days, diving off Palm Beach, uh, in the winter months, there used to be scalloped hammerheads from the surface to the bottom. Um, now, it seems like the world believes that you can, you can only find those large numbers of scalloped hammerheads, unfortunately, in remote uh, islands um, like Cocos and Malpelo and, and Galapagos. Um, but they used to be here in great numbers. There, they, we also used to have um, sand tigers on every shipwreck here in Palm Beach County. And unfortunately, a dive organization uh, with their three boats named Shark Killer 1, 2, and 3 wiped those out. And I haven't seen a sand tiger in 35 years. And I have not seen more than two scalloped hammerheads at a time here in Palm Beach County. Um, it is that early, early baseline that is the biggest drive to change. The, the knowledge from World Wildlife Fund the, uh, that 72% of all life on the planet Earth has been removed, killed in our lifetime um, is staggering to me. And, and, uh, and basically, um, if I had my way, I would only do conservation if I could just somehow uh, take care of my mortgage and all my other bills. Um, but, you know, it, it, that's my biggest drive. Um, although my bookkeeper would argue this. Um, my, my three for-profit companies are all based on conservation as well as my nonprofit wildlife voice. Um, but uh, to me, it's all the same. Uh, they all do something to make people aware of the wild with the hopes that I can convert them into conservationists. And I'm very successful at that. Um, with many different um, specific groups, you know, which is, you know, I'm the founder of three different nonprofits, selective groups, all about uh, shark and, and wildlife conservation. Um, and uh, um, it's, it's the, you know, it's such a wonderful purpose to be able to work for something expecting nothing in return. It, you know, it, it's, it, it drives me. Um, and, you know, warms my heart and touches my soul to be able to, to make a huge difference for the animals that I love. 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 our world, you know. We we, we have to protect it. It it's it, we have to try. We have to do absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I was I was looking <laughs> just through your YouTube channel uh, at a couple of stuff, and and there was just one video, and I I think it was with you. There's a lady who is free diving with the sharks and she's dancing with the sharks. Oh, oh, that's uh, the world's most viral conservation shark video. She, I, I, I just can't find words to describe it. I mean, I sharks. yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, as a conservationist without money, um, finding ways to make videos go viral is key. I mean, you can change the world. And, and uh, that uh, was actually the brainchild of Sean Heinrichs, his idea. He was working on a film, I think, called Why the Mermaid Cries and taking little segments. A mermaid to me is a, a professional underwater performer. performer. And, and Hannah Frazier, the, the model in there, was perfect because we were, it was a peaceful protest against the shark calling in Australia where it was targeted after great white sharks trying to, uh, as they say, stop the, the, the killing of humanity by great white sharks, even though uh, this is a minuscule uh, issue because so few, it happens so infrequently, but even worldwide. But the, the end result is they're killing massive numbers of tiger sharks. So it's very appropriate to have what in my mind is the world's top underwater performer Hannah Frazier, an Australian, um, uh, dancing with tiger sharks. Um, and I was told by Pew Charitable Trust that that, that video uh, in 10 days was in 140 countries, um, which is amazing, amazing to me that we were that successful. I mean, there's so many different little things that have to happen perfectly in order for any video to go viral. And I still don't understand it. I don't understand how these cat videos uh, go viral, <laughs> you know, but uh, um, I was so delighted to do that. And, and the interesting thing about that film to me was um, if you look at the making of, I don't know if you saw that, they, they, the making of the video, which I'll, I'll send to you so you can see it. And when they, they asked me a question, are you the least bit concerned that putting a girl on the bottom with no mask, no, no protection um, with a bunch of tiger sharks uh, could wind up in a terrible tragedy. And I, and I was very arrogant in my reply that, no, I'm not the least bit concerned. And the reason I said that was because of what I changed at my, my operation to make that happen. And I asked all the crew until that date, um, nine months before the film was made, um, I was the only one that was using a hand signal to train the tiger sharks to come to me so I could remove their, their hooks. Um, and, and other sharks as well, lemon sharks, Caribbean reef sharks. And at uh, nine months prior, I asked all the crew, let's stop feeding and, and work on the affectionate side of sharks. And for nine months, we knew every tiger shark that arrived. Now, my only real concern we hadn't had, and that's a wild tiger shark. You see, a wild, uh, a wild, uh, the, the little ones, the, the little sharks, lemons and, and smaller, um, I'm not concerned about at all. But uh, a, a tiger shark, especially, and there's a lot of them at Tiger Beach, um, is, is very uh, playful. While I, while I know they're not going to attack us, 
um, playing with you can kill you if you don't know how to play. And, and uh, so um, I, I was under the premise that if any, if she saw a large object, if she just put her hand out, like you see her doing the film and uh, like this away from your wetsuit, then the shark would come towards her expecting to get her head rubbed. And that's exactly what happened. Of course, the star of that film is Emma, the, the tiger shark behind me. And um, uh, it, it, the, what I didn't know is that a wild shark showed up and, and um, we had uh, worldwide news on the boat with us with two underwater cameramen. And this wild shark came in and, and was biting everything that was the same color as dead fish, which is white. So strobes and lights, and we had a lot of them, um, were being bitten by this wild shark that was very hungry, could smell the fish, but didn't know where it was, couldn't find it. And, and I saw uh, the, the uh, reporter, Anchorman, come up, or not Anchorman, but reporter, uh, head to the boat and I'm thinking, Oh God, here we go. This is exactly what they're looking for. And, and I got out of the water right as he was saying to the camera man that uh, there's a really aggressive shark down there. And, and, I, and I got out of the water perfectly and laughed and said, you mean aggressive shark towards lights and strokes? Because there's, there's still 10 people down there that aren't coming up. You're the only one that came up. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And what I, what I did was with my tank on, I opened up the back door. There's two crew left on the boat. And I said to the, to the um, chef who loves sharks, Jason Harvey, I said, J Jason, forget lunch, get in the water, smother that shark with love. And he did the whole time we were there. When we were up, he was down. And, and five days later, um, we named that shark after Hannah Frazier because the, the shark was very stubborn, like Hannah, and very determined in a wonderful way. That's a compliment. Um, uh, she increased her, her schedule of diving uh, to three-hour dives a day, uh, which it's two and a half hours of prep before each dive because she's painted black with blue stripes because um, I, I didn't want her white skin, and she's blonde. She's wearing a wig. Um, I didn't want anything white. You know, remove the danger. And uh, – um, five days later, I, I filmed um, the, the clip. Um, it's called uh, Hannah Tiger, Tiger Shark Love on my YouTube channel. And there you see for a minute and 35 seconds, uh, Jason using a hand signal to keep a tiger shark within three feet of him. For a minute and 35 seconds, just getting its head rubbed. And, and I didn't release that for quite some time because I didn't want to steal the thunder from tigress sharks. Um, but after about six months, I released that as well. And, and that's an incredible video that shows clearly without feeding the sharks at all, that they're thriving on love and affection. It's amazing. Did you happen to see that one on, on uh, the YouTube channel? Uh, I, no, I just saw the one of her dancing. I, I didn't see any. Oh, well, I'll crazy. make sure you see it because it's, it's incredible to watch. It clearly oh. shows the true nature of sharks. I, oh, Absolutely, I would love to see that. My goodness gracious! Wow, what a what a fabulous story! And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, um, you know, in all these years of, of removing hooks, that's my my drive. Help each individual. Um, there was one shark in particular um, that wound up with one of the most impressive uh, stories, and this one proves long term memory. 
um, the shark had another name. And, and on this specific day, I was trying to make friends with it. It, it. it took five months before I was finally successful. Now, what I mean by successful is if the shark's just swimming around and swims up to me, that's not successful. Um, it, what's successful is when they're thriving on affection. And you can see this uh, very well in, in uh, uh, Tales by Light, Misunderstood Predators. The tiger shark, come, when they're anticipating the affection, they come in really, really slow and like a, a plane stalling. They're almost standing on their tail while I'm rubbing their head. At that point, at that point, when they're when they're like this, going really, really slow, um, in order to get the hook out, I rub their head, um, drop my camera, and and I, I pull their head all the way up to mine, and so I can see the hook. And I'm only successful removing the hook if I can see mentally how I'm going to do it. Uh, I have to I have to believe that I can do it, and then I get the hook out. Well, this one shark uh, stole my friends, uh, Seema Aloy from Czech Republic stole his camera while it was filming. And, and um, the shark swims off with the camera and I didn't realize the whole group was following me. And when, you know, the, the sharks look at these cameras as, as uh, toys, chew toys, basically. And they've, they've uh, stolen, I think it's 80 SLR large cameras so far under my boat, 80. Now I've, re I've, re I've returned, I've got back 78 of them. Two of them are still missing. But um, in the process of doing this, what, what the tiger sharks do is they, all the tiger sharks take off. And when the one that took it drops it, another one will bite it. And then another one will bite it. And so it took me about 15 minutes to get this back. And when I, when I, I, it finally was down on the ground and I was able to, to grab it. I saw that the red light was on, it was filming and I filmed the three tiger sharks that were playing with it. And then I turned around and I filmed the group, which I didn't know they had followed me that far away from the boat. It's a mistake to go that far away. And we, we watched the film and after it was so funny because the tiger shark spit the camera out and it spun around. And when it bit it again, it, it you can see a tooth in the upper right hand quarter of this, of this footage. It was so funny that the owner of the camera said, oh, Jim, Jim, can, can I name this, this shark after my, my favorite uh, filmmaker? And, and I said, sure. Who's that? And, and uh, um, he said, Quentin Tarantino. And I said, well, the shark's a girl. And he said, well, how about just Tarantino? So uh, we renamed that shark Tarantino. And shortly thereafter, I was able to remove all three of her hooks. She swam away. I didn't see her again for two years. And, and, and uh, this, this scene, uh, which is also Tarantino uh, under Tiger Shark Love on my YouTube channel, this, this tiger shark uh, at the end of the day, as the sun is setting with 10 people underwater, um, I see, a, I see, a, you know, there's a few tiger sharks out there and, and suddenly I see this shark racing in it at full speed, which sometimes wild sharks that are really hungry will do that. Fortunately, it was coming right towards me and my, my uh, expensive camera on a tripod in front of me, I, I, I put my hands out in front of it to, to stop her from hitting my camera so hard. And I, I look at it now as uh, this was just like a dog that hadn't seen me in a long time. And, and she came in at full speed, wanting love and affection. Now, I didn't realize that at the time. And despite the fact that there was a strong current, I, I, I moved away uh, with her, rubbing her head, hoping that it would be right back to where it was. And it most definitely was. The, the video has her chasing me down repeatedly. 
to get her head rubbed. And, and at one point she, she moves towards my camera after chasing me down a couple of times and I saw the red light was on. I didn't even know it was filming. And I just hoped that I had captured that whole scene. And I had, um, so I, I edited it out and I, I put the first version of it out and my, uh, very talented college roommate who plays guitar actually wrote and performed a song just for that scene. Um, which is so beautiful. Doug Noe did that. And, uh, and that shows long-term memory as well as the affectionate side of sharks. I'll send it to you. It's, it's too oh, hard. I, to do. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see that. I really would. That is, that is quite incredible. My goodness. What a life-changing situation. Oh, yes. Jim, it's been uh, amazing listening to your stories. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you, for, you know, thank you for taking time to talk to us. It's been brilliant. It's uh, uh, j just one thought: um, education and stuff. Do, do your films ever get into schools or universities or colleges? I mean, um, is there any educationally wise that that your work is being put to? Yes. Um, well, um, it's especially because of the pandemic. I mean, my life prior to that was two day turnarounds between trips since 1998, um, which leaves me no time to do anything. But during the pandemic, you know, I'm a, I've written uh, three books, one of which is uh, on sharks and, and um, that it's a shark conservation book that, that uh, has been distributed to every U S state Senator and representative in the push to drive uh, states into banning the shark fin trade. Um, and I regularly uh, 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 talk to schools um, um, pre-pandemic in person um, at, you know, where the whole school will, will meet in the auditorium. And, and I talk to everybody at once. Um, and they usually watch Tales by Light Misunderstood Predators, um, as well as a, a sometimes a, recently another film was made called Sharks, My Love, um, so that they'll understand the affectionate side of sharks with the hopes that more people will fall in love with them like I have and, and then uh, protect them. But the biggest drive that I've had <clears throat> from those are the school teachers that actually come on my trips. You know, I've, I've been teaching people how to make friends with sharks for eight years and at this moment. And, and uh, <clears throat> once they make friends successfully with a shark without feeding them, wow, hardcore conservationist is the result. And those ones, um, one of them actually converted Science Week at the whole school to Shark Week. <clears throat> and and uh, I brought uh, four other people that have been on, uh, that do shark films or are featured in shark films uh, to talk, uh, me being one of them for the five days that they, the school met every day uh, for, for shark, uh, to listen to uh, shark experts, uh, which was uh, tremendous. So. That's uh, uh, the word is definitely getting out. And I, I believe that, you know, our youth need to fix the problems that my generation has caused. So I take great pride in 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 helping kids uh, to learn the truth, as well as how important it is that we combat all these world issues that have left us with very little wild animals on the planet. Yeah. Jim, um, thank you for your wonderful stories and thank you for the work <laughs> you're doing. I mean, it is just just so important. It's 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 fantastic what you're doing.
Well, thank you. It's uh, such a, a pleasure to be on here with your big platform uh, in order to influence others into the true nature of sharks with the hopes yep. that more people will protect them. Oh, brilliant. Wonderful. Well, Jim, uh, Jim I'll say goodbye for now. And um, thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye.